0: This is the best part of the week. (coughs) 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 So you see the title in the in the in the bulletin called momentary christians all right so i want to read a little something i hadn't planned on reading but the lord laid it on my heart while we were getting things going and this is going to be esther chapter four and in esther chapter four mordecai high priest at that time, or the priest at that time, told, speaking to Esther, and and Esther's words to Mordecai, and, and he'd gone back in a conversation, but Mordecai replies to Esther about what is taking place, because there's been a a, a a proclamation that all the Jews are going to die. And this is what he says in verse 13. Do not imagine that you, in the king's palace, because it was Queen Esther Can escape any more than all the Jews. For if you remain silent at this time, relief and deliverance will arise for the Jews from another place, and you and your father's house will perish. And who knows this is for everyone in here who knows whether you have not attained royalty for such a time as this? And so she said, Go assemble all the Jews who are. Founded in Susa, that's the town of Susa, which is in present-day Iraq, and fast for me, do not eat or drink for three days, night and day, and I and my maidens will fast, and thus I will go to the king, which is not according to the law, and if I perish, I perish, and if I am successful, then I am successful. Oh, thank you. I was just trying to figure out how I was going to do that. <laughs> We find Jesus at the close of the celebration of the Feast of Tabernacles, that's the Feast of Booths, which occurs in the fall. We find him in the temple in John 7.37. If you want to turn to John 7.37. Those of you that were here last week, I had 40 different overheads. I'm not doing that this week. <laughs> and then I think a couple of weeks before that I had all kinds of visuals. It was I just love doing that. But I had this is gonna be short and simple, so. Because I'm looking at the food, you're all looking at me, but I'm looking at the food, and so I don't want to be wasting my time. But John seven thirty seven, in all seriousness, On the last day, the great, fe- the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. I referred to that a couple weeks ago when I was speaking. In fact, I showed pictures of waterfalls and stuff. Those who thirst come and drink, Jesus said. An awesome declaration of living hope spoken by Jesus. That people who are spiritually thirsty can come to Jesus and believing can call upon him. For, as it says in Romans ten thirteen. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. But that brings up a question How are people to come into salvation and know Jesus as their Savior? Good question. Romans 10, 14, the next verse in that passage says, How then shall they call upon him whom they have not believed? And, And how shall they believe in him whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? How shall they hear without a preacher? Not a preacher like me standing up in front. That would be one who proclaims. How shall they hear without one who proclaims the truth to them? Amen. People cannot know and do not know and will not know Jesus as their Savior, <clears throat> and will not even know who he is, unless there are, I'm going to give you three things, unless there are Christians actively praying for the lost, Christian, and unless there are Christians who are willing to step forward and share about Jesus and his salvation with others, and number three, Unless there are Christians who are willing to take the time to disciple another and show them the way to life in Jesus and his kingdom. That's really, some of you over the years have thought about missions. That's really a mission mandate right there. Praying, stepping out, and willing to take the time to disciple. Amen? For if the unsaved, the lost person, does not have Jesus as their savior... Walk through this with me. They have no way to save themselves. Without Jesus, when they die, they will not spend eternity with God in heaven. Because they do not have Jesus as their Savior. They will be cast completely away from God's presence to the eternal fires of hell, the second death, and in a place of no return. So I want you, when you go out today, like I do, I look around at all the people when I'm walking through Walmart, for example, and I go, and it doesn't matter if it's here locally or if it's up in Anchorage or whatever place I happen to be in. As Lord, Lord, who in here does not have you for a Savior, and who would you have me to talk to? I just don't go up and talk to everyone. It's, who would you have me to talk to whose heart is ready to receive that you would have me speak a few words of hope into them? Amen? You'd be amazed at what the Lord will do when you pray that kind of a prayer. Romans 10, 15, it it doesn't have to be like what I just described of being cast away. For just as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring glad tidings of good things. How beautiful are those who bring glad tidings of good things. Each saved Christian has a command from Jesus to share salvation. Look around. Point at someone and go, you know, that includes you. Amen? <laughs> they're there to, they're there to share the glad tidings of good things that we've been blessed with. Jesus spoke to his disciples, but he is, but he's also speaking to each one who is here this morning. And he spoke in this manner, Matthew 28, 18. I'll wait for you to turn to that. Matthew twenty eight eighteen. <clears throat> this particular passage I'm taking out of the New King James because it's the, it's the most accurate translation of this passage. And Jesus came and spoke to them saying, All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things, that I have commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even unto the end of the age. Amen. This is not just, if you think about it and you feel comfortable with it, and and if you you have time and all that. No, this is go. You know, you can just picture Jesus going, go and do what I'm telling you to do. I'm not asking, I am commanding. And considering he's already said all authority has been given to me, he's the one that can do that. Amen? Jesus' command was spoken to all Christians across the ages, whether young, whether older, short-time Christians who've just been saved, or long-time Christians who've walked with God like like a fellow I knew down in Portland at my mom's retirement home who had walked with the Lord for 85 years. Got saved when he was 15. He was almost 100 when I met him. And he was still reaching out to people and leading them to the Lord in that place. He never gave up. The only thing that he had a problem with is he asked me one day, he says, you're a pra- pastor, aren't you? And I said, yeah. This is a guy old enough to be my great-grandfather. And he says, well, me and a young lady here, we're kind of courting. This is George. He says, is it okay that we've been holding hands walking in the hallway? He says, I don't, I don't want to... Offend God. I says, Well, how old is she, George? Well, she's a lot younger than me. I, I'm, I'm almost 100 and she's about in her early 80s. I feel kind of like she, I'm robbing the cradle. <laughs> I says, George, I think God's approved this one. It's okay. Just don't be spending any time in her apartment alone. Oh, no, well, I'm not doing that. <laughs> but he was still on fire for the Lord. In fact, I ended up leading a lady who was in her late 80s to the Lord because of him and some others who were witnessing. Your friend down there was the one that called me. And I'm going to tell you something before I move on with this. That lady I led to the Lord had never, ever been evangelized. She did not know Jesus. She owned no Bible. Nobody ever told her. Her family never knew the Lord, so she didn't get communicated. Everybody assumes that everybody knows Jesus. No, they don't. No, they don't. And so the moment that I'm going to be talking about, I had a moment. What was your friend's name? Susan. Susan, Susan came up and says, just totally exasperated. She says, Henry, Henry, Henry. In fact, she attended church here a couple times. Came up and visited Karen. She says, She says, I will say Mabel. Mabel is ready to pray through. I says, What? She says, You gotta come and help me. She says, she said, I'm interested in Jesus. I think I'd like to be saved. I said, Great, let's go. Just like that. We went, got to talking with her, found out where she was at. We prayed through, and less than a month later, that lady died. You never know if you are there. For such a time as this. Amen? Jesus has spoken across the ages, whether young or old, short-time Christians, long-time Christians, regardless of where they live, who they are, and where they came from. His eternal command to go has never ended. And so please realize that all people who come into Jesus' salvation and have become His kingdom people Jesus would have us to choose to fully abide in him. This is for Christians walking in his footsteps, doing as he did and has commanded us to do as his disciples and doing so to the glory of God in heaven. He wants us to walk in his footsteps. It's like Paul writes to Timothy about living such an activated Christian life. Turn with me to 2 Timothy 4.1. one. <laughs> Timothy was doing what a lot of Christians do. He was starting to slide away. He was starting to be less intense and excited about his walk in the Lord. He was beginning to slowly... The devil has got a a mighty mighty way of, of slowly steering people off the righteous path by attractions of the world. And if you read in the New Testament... Uh, Demas, who walked with Paul and helped him and everything, he fell away because of the present, this present world. Timothy was starting to fade in his walk; he was letting the circumstances of life get the best of him. And Second Timothy four one, this is what Paul writes: Paul is near death; he's almost at that time about the martyr, the the, the date that we talked about him being martyred this morning. He said, I solemnly charge you in the presence of God and Jesus Christ, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word, this is proclaim the word, be ready, that is prepared, in season and out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, and with great patience and instructions, do so. Let me, let me repeat that last, that last verse, verse 2. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, reprove, rebu- rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. In other words, in season and out of season, that means whether you feel good or not, whether you've got an issue going on inside your life or not. It's not about us. It's about God and his kingdom. When we let the things that are, that are stirring up inside of us begin to get in the way, we're lay, raising that thing up as an idol before God. I don't care if you're hurting inside. If somebody called and said, I need to talk to you, you set aside your life, and you go ahead and minister to them. And you set aside your life, and when you begin to minister to someone else, you're in essence ministering, ministering to our Lord Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is putting you in a place where you're exalting God because you're saying, I'll die to myself and go ahead and minister to this person. And Satan loses God wins. Amen. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instructions. Oh, yeah. I get a lot of phone calls, not just from people here in the community and and around the state, but from folks outside in the 48 because they want someone to talk to who can speak life into them. Living hope. What is described in this passage is what Jesus did as he ministered. It isn't anything unusual. And it is what Paul and the apostles did as they ministered. And it is also what Christians did at the beginning, following Jesus in his footsteps, and have been doing, Christians that are committed to the Lord for the last 2,000 years. It is a simple pattern that even the kids can understand. You go, well, how are they going to know to reprove, rebuke, and exhort? They do it like this. I've seen little kids do this. They go, Ralphie, what are you doing? You you can't take things. Jesus doesn't like that. That's a sin. Put it back. They know how to be blunt. And they get away with it. Adults go, oh, I might offend somebody. I don't care if you offend them. Offend them back into heaven. Amen? That's where they need to be. It's what Christians did at the beginning and have done through the ages, and they, as they have also ministered in such a manner. You know, Paul is describing to Timothy that he too is to be doing the same. <clears throat> and Paul's inspired words apply to each one of us who, as saved Christians, are also to be doing the same thing. Another thing, we're to be, we're to be aware. As Jesus said, be on the alert. Now, a lot of people go, well, to be on the alert for evil. But you know, really, it's to have eyes to see and ears to hear and a sensitive heart that would be aflame with the burning compassion of our Lord Jesus Christ so that we can look at people and see if they are hurting. That we would hear their words, we would feel their pain, we would know that there's something going on with them, we would see it in their eyes, we would be able to detect as the Holy Spirit is leading us and showing us and helping us to understand so that we can then begin to reach out to that person. Alert in spirit for those who are lost without salvation, alert for those who have lost hope, alert and sensitive and aware of others whose soul is crying out and they just don't even have the words to express it. Amen? That each day we might reach out. That each day we might reach out and help another person to find their way to Jesus and salvation and true healing. Amen? And as we do, hear me close, because I've got this in big red bold letters. As we do, so we become our Savior Jesus momentary Christians you go what in the world are you talking about momentary christian yeah momentary christian that's me i'm in for the long haul but i'm also a momentary christian okay i here's a good way to here's a good example of this if you've got a car that can do this not <clears throat> saying that i have a car that can do this uh, but if you're driving along and you're cruising along and you go, you know, Lord, I really need to get around this slowpoke up ahead of me because they are just tying up all the traffic in the world. We've got 700 cars behind us that I need to get around. And he says, pull out now. <laughs> Not that I drive fast, but I can pass with the best of them. Okay, so here we go. And I get back in. What was that? That was a momentary thing. I'm traveling at a normal speed just like I walk and I'm committed in my walk in the Lord. But then God comes along, the Holy Spirit, and says, I've got something I need you to do now. You're going to step out of your comfort zone because I've got something only you could take care of. You were born and created clear back by God when you weren't even a twinkle in your mom and dad's eye, and I brought you into being so that you could be here for this moment to speak into to Rupert, amen. And We think, oh, I don't have a life that's worth anything. Oh yeah, you do. You might have that one thing, the Holy Spirit has been orchestrating your life all the way up until you could step up. And speak into that person who is now going to become an evangelist of evangelists and influence 150,000 people. Amen. Because you were willing to see them through into salvation. Your life is more important than you realize. You think, oh, I'm nobody. I'm nothing. Yeah, you could be that. That's what Satan will tell you. But if you're saved, you're a blood-bought daughter or son of the living God, and he paid the price for you so that you could come into salvation and you could begin to live as a kingdom warrior for him. Amen. That's who we are. You're not a nobody. You are a somebody in God's eyes. Don't ever let the devil diminish you. Yes, momentary Christians, just as the Apostle Paul directed Timothy to be, A Christian who is always ready in season and out of season to minister as the Holy Spirit leads them. You know, Nancy and I discovered a most amazing truth. She she had a lot of illness. And most people never knew that she was in terrible pain almost all the time. And sick almost all the time. And so when she would get up here to, to minister and preach, say here at the congregation, she almost always was sick. But by the end of the talk and and the ministering, she'd been healed up because she was willing to let God's hand be active and the anointing pour through her. When you feel awful, that's the time to go forward and begin to minister. When you feel like, well, I'm too sick to go anywhere or do anything. Well, yeah, you could stay there and let the devil beat you up. Or you could say, you know, I don't care, Satan. I'm going to go anyway. And if I die, I'll be in heaven. And if I don't die, then I will be blessed. And, number three, I will be a blessing. Don't ever give the devil the opportunity. Step out. Become that one who seizes the moment, grabs hold, and doesn't let go. It says a Christian is who is always ready in season and out of season to minister as the Holy Spirit leads them. In other words... Be ready, always ready, whether you feel good or not, whether you feel ready or not, whether you think you have the time or not. Do not listen to the devil tempting you with some excuse. Rather, be ready at a moment's notice to take the excuses and flush them as our Holy Spirit calls and guides you into and through some kingdom ministry situation that has been prepared solely for you. You've been given something to accomplish in Jesus' name to the glory of God so that you can become a testimonial for God to proclaim across the heavens. We need to realize our life is in God's hands. And he's always going, Ah, I need you to do this. Don't back up this time. Go forward. I'm with you. Amen? Momentary Christians. Responding to the moment when called by our Lord Holy Spirit. Look at Peter and John. That's a powerfully demonstrated momentary Christianity. Turn with me to Acts 3.1. <clears throat> Y'all were born for such a time as this. God's going to tap your heart. And he may do it multiple times. And the more that you begin to walk in him, the more and he knows that he can trust you, the more he's going to require of you. Don't despise small beginnings, but be blessed that he even trusts you to go ahead and minister for him. Amen. Amen. Let's take a look at this. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple in the ninth hour, the hour of prayer. I'm reading this out of the New American Standard. And a man who had been lame from his mother's womb had been carried along, uh, whom they used to set down uh, every day at the gate of the temple that is called Beautiful, in order to beg alms to those who were entering the temple. And so. He's been set down. They had to carry him in. He cannot walk. He has been that way since his birth. When he saw Peter and John about to go into the temple, he began asking, alms, alms. When I was over in Jerusalem a number of times, especially when Nancy and I went over and we wandered around Israel ourselves without a tour group, uh, we saw lots of beggars. When I lived in Greece, years ago in the military, we saw lots of beggars. Uh, When Nancy was in India, uh, you'd see big piles of garbage, and there was always three things that were digging into the garbage looking for something. Dogs, cows, and little kids. Little kids because their parents had abandoned them. They'd drive them across the city and drop them off at a garbage heap because they couldn't afford to keep the kids anymore. And so they were on their own. Little kids, I'm talking little So they would fight with the dogs and the cows for all the good garbage. Beggars. But Peter, along with John, fixed his gaze on him and said, Look at us. Look at us. And then he goes on like this. He says he began to give them his attention and expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, and and follow with me in verse 6, I do not possess silver or gold, but what I do have to give you in the name of Jesus. What I do have, I give to you in the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. Walk. This is a moment. This is a powerful moment. Think of yourself in the same place. Think of yourself in the middle of everything. And someone says, I I really need prayer. And they say, well, I'll pray for you. And they grab your hand and say, let's pray. And you got people walking by you in the aisle or or wherever you happen to be at. Been through that. You know know what happens when that takes place? People gather around and start praying with you. You'd be shocked. You know why they do that? Because God is telling them, circle around. In spirit, they don't realize this. In spirit, they're circling around you. The angels are right behind them, and they're protecting you so that that prayer can be accomplished. But if you hadn't done that, and you said, oh, oh, no, 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 I'll, I'll pray for you when I on my way home today. Who knows what would have happened to that person. The next person probably would have been faithful and said, yeah, I'll be glad to pray for you. Somebody would step up. It should be us. And so seizing him by the right hand, he raised him up and immediately his feet and ankles were strengthened. You notice they weren't strengthened while he was sitting there. It was as they activated the prayer, the healing came forth. And as they began to walk in that belief, he got up, he was strengthened, and with a leap, see, my ankles are good, see? You guys didn't know, but I probably should have been sitting on the floor. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) But with a leap, he stood upright, began to walk, and he entered the temple with him, walking, leaping, praising God, and all the people saw him walking and praising God, and they were taking note of him being the one who used to sit at the beautiful gate in the temple, begging alms and who were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened to him. Jesus proclaimed salvation and performed healing. Jesus' disciples through the ages have done the same, for they were ready. They were ready for the moment when God called them. Whether in season or out of season, they responded. For they believed that if God called, hear me close, they believed that if God called, And I'm telling you what I think also. That he was with them and would see them through the ministry to completion. I'm not a healer. I don't claim to be a healer. But I can pray. And I have no problem praying for people for healing. Why? Because I have seen more healings than I can count. When I was faithful to go ahead and pray for people. Not because I'm a healer. And I'm not an evangelist going out there saying, oh, I'm a healer. I never claimed that. But I do know that I can pray. And I can pray for people's minds, their hearts, their spirits, their salvation. I can pray for their thing, the physical body, their emotional body, their spiritual realm. Uh, their past that is tormenting them, their future that's scaring them. And all of those things come under the lordship of our Lord Jesus Christ and his blood. And I can begin to pray, not because I'm anybody special, but because if the Lord has put me there for the moment, I'm going to follow it through to the end because I know without any hesitation and trust that God will be with me. Amen? Realize that you may be the only one. <clears throat> I want you to please realize this. You may be the, and, and you can think about yourself here. You may be the only one who ever cares enough to listen to God's voice as he directs you to minister to that lost soul who's on a downward path to hell. Some of us have worked with, with individuals that that just didn't want the Lord at all. Or we have family and friends that just go... Get away from me, you fanatic Christian, you know? But even more, you may be the only Christian that person ever meets along the way in their life. Now, you might be surprised at that, but if nobody's evangelizing, for example, the older lady that I was telling you about, what would have happened to her soul when she died? Susan, Karen's friend, was evangelizing her. Susan didn't quite know exactly how to pray her through because the lady wanted to ask some questions she couldn't answer. So the Lord tapped not only Susan, but tapped me also. And together, we were able to, what did I call her, Mabel? I think I called her Mabel. She had some odd name. And I could still picture her and see her in spirit. But but if Susan hadn't been faithful and there was nobody to tap into who would have said, yes, I'd be glad to go and pray with her. Where would that woman have gone? She wouldn't have gone to heaven. She would have passed, and she would have been lost for eternity. You may be the only Christian that person ever meets along the way in their life, whether in a store, at work, at the hospital, post office, uh, out camping, fishing at some community gathering. So you're thinking, how can I do this, Henry? I mean, come on, be real. I'm not very strong. I don't speak well. I don't remember very well. I'm nobody special. Uh huh. Yeah, right, okay, let's see. We've got lots of reasons and lots of excuses. Hmm, okay, I'll tell you. You're not alone. Those are all conditions many of us have had or have or maybe will have. If not all of us have had at some measure, even Jesus, our suffering servant, had reasons he could have used as excuses. I'm going to give you one of them. Isaiah 53, verse 2. You all got to turn to this because I want you to, every time you start to give an excuse... So the first part of that verse says, so he grew up before them like a young plant and like a, like a root out of dry ground. This is out of the English Standard Version, and then I'm going to give you the New Living Translation. He had no form or majesty that we should look upon him and no beauty that we should desire him. Now, to put that in plain English where you can understand it, Isaiah 53, 2 out of the New Living Translation says, there was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance, nothing to attract us to him. Praise the Lord. Why do I say that? Because Jesus was an average-looking, normal person, nothing special, who was filled with the Holy Spirit. That was what was attractive. Covered in the glory of God, that was what was attractive. Who was sharing words of truth and life and living hope with others, that was what was attracting. Things that we can do just as well To fulfill Jesus' command. It wasn't about being somebody in the world's eyes. It was about being somebody filled with God's presence. So that we could give out to others. Amen. Amen. It's never about uh, you look good. You wear the right clothes. You even smell good. Who cares? I want to hear the words of life. I want to see the glory on you. I want you to know that you flow in the anointing. That when you begin to minister, people respond. Amen. Who can be a who can be the one who is a powerful Christian that that is ready moment uh, for any moment the Holy Spirit would lead us into? Take your right hand and point at yourself and say, "That's me." You may have one moment in your life the Lord's going to call you. You may have. 500 moments, or you could be like Billy Graham, who ministered to over a billion people. He was called. He responded. Do you know, God? God set him up so that he realized he had a gift. He was a Fuller Brush man before he was an evangelist. He was the number one world salesman for Fuller Brush Company, bar none. None was ever greater. He was phenomenal. He would knock on a the door. They would answer and they go, we want to buy. What do you got to sell? I mean, it was that bad. He was amazing. He admitted that. He says it was a gift. But he knew that that gift needed to be put somewhere. And when he got saved, the Lord said, now, I've, I have set you in a place where you've got a gift. I want you to go further. So at the Keswick Convention up in England, he had a number of folks come up and say, you're going to burn out if you continue to do all this stuff. He said, come, we're going to baptize you in the Holy Spirit. He said, great, let's do it. And so that was at the very start of his ministry. And within just a matter of weeks, he began to minister in Los Angeles and everything escalated. It was so great that they had to add on extensions onto the tents because there were so many people coming. And then God laid it upon the heart of the L.A. Times to begin begin advertising in their paper about this this revival that was going on. And so God gave him free press because he said, I'm not going to use the gift to make money. I'm going to take that gift and then be enhanced by your presence flowing into me so that I can become the man that you intend me to be for a moment such as this. Amen? We could say yes or we could say no. He said yes. Yes. And over a billion people heard the word, the message. And I don't know the percentage that came into salvation, but I sure know a lot of people that were saved out of Billy Graham crusades. Amen? Consider the scripture that says, when I am weak, I am strong. Even more, I can verify in my own life That the God I worship, my Lord Jesus, has more than enough resources, power of the Holy Spirit within me, to help me and can help you also to accomplish what he has asked you to do. as scripture proclaims in Galatians 2.20, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. So I want to close with a few things and then I'll be done and it'll be time for our meal. Consider the path Jesus walked, but not before his crucifixion, but following his resurrection. This isn't spoken about much, but it should be. Jesus spent the remaining 40 days on earth, showing himself alive as a witness and going forth, proclaiming the good news of salvation and life eternal. Now, But there was also something else going on that, that should speak to the heart and spirit of Christians everywhere. Jesus was showing us the way, following our salvation, how to truly live out Christian lives in this present world. Consider, when we come into salvation, we're changed. We're reborn. And we've gone from death, that is worldly death, and to life eternal, just as Jesus in which he, just as Jesus was was raised from the dead. Amen? And so, as with Jesus, when he ministered 40 days following his resurrection, before he ascended into heaven, so also each one of us, we too have a portion of time, hear me close here, we too have a portion of time allotted to us by our Lord God as Jesus' kingdom people, that is time that has been ordained by God by His hand to accomplish His will that we can become the king, kingdom people doing His purposes that have been ordained in Jesus for each one of us to complete. That is the command to go and proclaim His salvation to others. Some people get saved and within a few days they die. And then we find out that they spoke to some people about Jesus And they had already begun to minister. And their time was up. Others have gotten saved. And then sometimes we think, well, that was an untimely death. No, their time was done. Others lived for a long, 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 long time. Because that's what God ordained. But each one of us has a time allotted. We have a story written in in God's books. Not the book of life. That's salvation. We're talking about the book that God has written before we were ever born. That we'll say, Arnold, Arnold's got a story. We'll say that Juan has got a story. We'll say that Chris has got a story. That we're to be fulfilling. That's why a lot of times when you're out and about and you're going, I just feel kind of a a drawing, like, like the Lord is telling me something and I don't quite know what it is. Have you gone out and begun to minister as he asked you to do? It could be that he's laying that, heart, that on your heart to be the kingdom person that he intends you to be. Praying, ministering, discipling. As we live out our life, we're always to be ready for that moment. Our Lord Holy Spirit calls us to step up and accomplish in Jesus' kingdom service, to the glory of God. Whether ministering to an individual or ministering to a group, it could be a family gathering. We are always to be ready at a moment's notice to share Jesus, the living water of life, who is the only way one can enter into salvation in eternity, spent in God's presence in heaven. Hear Jesus' words. John 4.34, you can write this down. He said, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do not say there are yet four months. And then comes the harvest. Behold, I say to you, lift up your eyes. Look on the fields, for they are already white unto harvest. The fields, white unto harvest. And God is stirring people up. He has placed a, a longing for eternity within our hearts, with their hearts. And, and they are hungry to hear about and receive the message of salvation. God has set everyone as an opportunity if we're willing to minister for deep within their souls, they are desperately searching for the living water in Jesus, which we possess as Jesus declared to his disciples that he sent out a declaration that applies to each one of us. Matthew ten seven, as you go preach saying the kingdom of heaven is at hand, heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, cast out the demons freely you have received freely give freely you have received jesus and his salvation and today what i would say is freely give of yourself and become a momentary christian be one of jesus be one in jesus kingdom who is prepared in season and out of season that if the phone rings you're ready to answer it If something's going on, you're ready to respond. If you hear that someone's in the hospital, you're willing to go and visit them. If you you know somebody's hurting, you're willing and brave and courageous to make the phone call to ask them how they're doing and can I pray for you. And when you know that somebody's lost, you're going ahead and being bold and saying, you know, what happens to you if you die today? Well, well, turn back to dirt and go, yeah, your body will. Your soul won't. Like I told my brother-in-law, and it was less than 24 hours before he died, I said, you died today, Jim. I said, you're going to hell. You'll be in the fires alone. You won't be with your buddies. I said, and you will be crying out, why didn't I get saved? Well, I believe in Jesus, Henry. I said, well, good. And let's pray through to salvation right now. And 18 hours later, he died. Best 18 hours of life he'd ever had. Jude 20 says, Build yourselves up in the most holy faith. This is being ready and prepared in season and out of season. Build yourselves up in the most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit keeping yourselves in the love of God, waiting anxiously for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ to eternal life, that you may respond and be ready to respond at any given moment. That means if your life is a big mess right now because you're angry about something or unforgiving about something or worried about something or trying to self-reconcile some issue, give it to God. Give it to the Lord. Give it to the Holy Spirit. Why are you wasting your energy and time? Get yourself ready because you could... Hey, I need you to go help somebody over here. That's the Southern Holy Spirit telling you it's time. I need you to get on a plane and fly away. Amen? I don't know who it's going to be that would knock on your door, but it could be anybody. And they could say something as simple... I heard you're a Christian. Can you help me? Nobody else will listen. I rarely, rarely ever pick up hitchhikers, but I passed a guy. I was going this way, and he was alongside the road, and it was trying to rain, and I thought, well, hopefully somebody will pick him up because I'm going the other direction. So about 30 minutes later, I come back, and he's still there. And I thought, That's really strange. So I went ahead and picked him up, and he was heading up the north road, he says, Oh, I'm so glad you picked me up. And we started talking. Well, he knew who I was. And and it was because of Robert Spillane, and they had eaten together, and Robert had talked about me down at this church, and he said, I'm gonna come down there someday. He said, But he said, I'm glad you picked me up so that I could just talk to you. <laughs> Divine appointment, huh? Momentary Christian. So we drove all the way up to up to Nikiski and he'd stashed a bicycle, and I said, Well, I we can load the bike up and I can take you. No, he says, I just want to ride the bike. I've got some stuff here. He says, but thank you for giving me a ride. He says, nobody would pick me up. And, and it was pouring down rain. I mean, it was, like, it was like, and he had bags there. It was obvious he just was heading back from the store. Ready to respond at any given moment. When we're consumed with ourselves, we're not ready to respond when our Lord God calls on you to serve him and minister to another in his holy name, will you be able to answer when Jesus asks, who will go for me? Can you say, yes, Lord, I am willing. Send me. I'm assuming everybody in here is saved. If you're not, why aren't you saved? Amen. Tell you what, don't wait till tomorrow. Tomorrow may be too late. Kingdom service, what's the purpose in my life? I hear people, oh, what is the purpose of my life? Your life is to be serving the Lord. Kingdom service, actively doing as Jesus did, proclaiming the good news of salvation, and performing healing through prayer for others. It's as simple as that. It doesn't get any more difficult. Let's all stand and have a prayer. And as I pray, Lord bless the food, but I'm also going to pray this prayer. This is for all of you. And so this is what I'd say. My Lord God, when you ask whom shall I send, may my response be, here I am, send me. For my heart's desire, Lord God, is to glorify you as I serve Jesus, my Savior, in his kingdom. Holy Spirit, teach me truth that when called, I would be prepared and ready to serve at any moment and in any place. To you be all the glory this day, my Lord God, in Jesus' name. And everybody said Amen. Hallelujah.